Hey everyone, Zach here. July 1 is right around the corner and there are still so many unanswered questions about what budgets for this next fiscal year will look like. Chances are though, no matter who you are, you're not gonna be able to spend what you were able to spend last year on consultants and enrollment marketing services. So what if you could spend $10 a month instead of $10,000 plus a year on strategic enrollment marketing support? Today, I am proud to invite you to be an early adopter of Enrollify Premium, an exclusive collaborative Slack community for enrollment marketers. Enrollify Premium is sort of like a social network joined forces with your favorite industry conference. Instead of one annual weekend of professional development, you're getting always available feedback on your student recruitment campaigns, and you're garnering insights on the latest tools, trends, and tactics that are shaping the future of enrollment marketing alongside an active community of incredibly helpful admissions and marketing professionals. We're on a mission to totally disrupt the education consulting space, and we want you to join us on this ride towards this disruption. So you can learn more and you can start your free trial by visiting us at enrollify.org forward slash premium. Again, that's enrollify.org forward slash premium. Looking forward to welcoming you into the Slack workspace as one of our first premium subscribers. All right, thanks all. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Enrollify podcast. My name is Zach Boozy Cruz and I am your host for today's episode. And today I have the privilege of sitting down with JC Bonilla, who is the Chief Analytics Officer and Head of Intelligent Admissions at Element 451. Welcome to the show, JC. Thank you, Zach, and thank you for having us here. Uh, my gosh, big fan of the work you've done, and it's quite a privilege to be talking to you this afternoon. Well, I really, I really appreciate it. And I've it's been exciting to get to know you and artists and a couple other members of the Element 451 team over the past few weeks. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with Element, can you just give us sort of a quick uh, elevator pitch for what Element 451 is and help us understand a little bit more about what your role actually is there? I, you know, I, I haven't met too many chief analytics officers that service the uh, the higher ed space. So I'd be, I'm really curious to get a little bit of a better on. In, uh, understanding into what you specifically do at Element. Fantastic. Um, so Element is a software company uh, that specializes in enrollment management technology. What does that mean is that we will support the student journey from discovery, prospective student phase, all the way to enrolled E, sitting down in a class and starting classes, uh, and anything in between. Um, our platform um, has close to 70 uh, universities across our uh, ecosystem. And we're very, very excited to be teaming up with them and supporting their strategic enrollment goals. Um, what do I do at the company? My gosh, uh, Zach, I've been trying to explain this to my mother for the past <laughs> 20 years. So I don't. I hope it works, right? But uh, my role in the company is to oversee the data and analytics angle. So that's what the chief analytics officer means. So anything has to do with how do we deploy uh, a use case for the utilization of data, the transformation of data. So it generates insight 
Um, it's basically how I wake up every day and I try to do that. Um, in that capacity, I'm, I'm trying to position this practice that we call intelligent admissions, which I think we're going to be talking more about it. Yeah. But perhaps the best way to um, answer what is it that someone like me does in element or in the context of any organization in enrollment management or higher education, um, I wake up every morning and I try to answer questions that kind of look like this. We'll call them use cases, if you will. But you know, like, what is it that we can look in data that allows a prospective student to find his or her uh, options for the right school at the right time um, and kind of optimize the student journey? So that's kind of like these, this uh, discovery phase. How do we optimize the discovery phase from the student point of view? From the university point of view, how can I find more eligible students in my journey um, with the messaging that I provide and with the resources that I have that basically allow me to be a thriving school. Um, when you look at the applications uh, generation strategy, for instance, I'm constantly trying to think about how do we use data and analytics, specifically machine learning and techniques like that, to permit someone to start an application and finish without any barriers. Are there um, methodologies that we can find that identify that Zach is starting an application and all of a sudden you abandon your application. What can we do to basically reduce that abandonment rate? Uh, what can we do uh, to remove uh, blockers, if you will? Is it more emails that we need to send out? Is it that we need to make the platform better? Uh, and, uh, and of course, when you look at yield management, at the end of the day, it's all about bringing those students into the um, the matriculation stage, right? So what is it that we need to do in yield uh, management, in conversion rates that will allow our school to basically bring in this right class with the right numbers, with the right diversification by optimizing any lever that they have, whether it's budget, whether it's events, whether it's um, communications plans or use of uh, personnel, if you will. That's incredibly helpful. And uh, it sounds like a, a pretty fun job, actually, right? Thinking about how do you all help uh, your university partners better leverage the data that they're collecting. And one of the things that, uh, you know, higher ed is, is notorious for is collecting lots and lots and lots of data, um, but then not being mm -hmm. sure what to do with that, right? And, and, and sort of how to leverage that data to increase enrollment to, you know, obsess over, okay, how do you move the needle from, you know, prospect to inquiry or inquiry to app rates, uh, even marginally? And what specifically, what, what specific strategies and tactics do you all need to, to implement in order to see sort of uh, meaningful change? So, uh, fantastic. Sounds uh, that that context was super, super helpful. Can you just give us a Cliff's note sort of overview of your career career to date? How do you how do you go from um, I, I, I know you have a background in higher education. So how did you <laughs> how did you make your way to the CAO position at Element 451? Any sort of kind of specific milestones or uh, kind of inflection points in your career journey that are that are worth noting? Yes. Uh, look, uh, I did not wake up um, after high school and said, I, I, I'm going to dedicate my career to this profession. It's the kind of things that you follow your trajectory and 30 years later, oh my gosh, this is what I do, right? So what is the Cliff Notes uh, summary of that journey? Um, I'm technically trained, so I'm an engineer and, you know, my alliance start, uh, 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 my stars align, I'm sorry, uh, to basically pursue this semiconductor's career. Um, and I'm doing graduate school at New York University, uh, a job 
poor market um, post 9-11 uh, unfolds. So my then uh, advisor says, why don't you stay here um, and help us out with, you know, these things that we're doing in the graduate school. Two decades go by, right? And I had the immense uh, opportunity to basically bring this kind of engineering way of looking at the world and just basically deploy it in the Roman management practice, hmm. whether it's launching a graduate program, um, whether, because I also have an accent, people thought I could just go and recruit, right? So doing all this internationalization and, and kind of bi-directional MOUs with schools around the world, uh, launching online education. Uh, punchline is looking how do we scale a school with about 342 students to about 5,000 students in over a decade. Hmm. An incredible journey, a lot of lessons learned. Um, and it really allowed me to basically enact two views of the world, something that I really care about, you know, higher education, because I'm a product of higher education, but also doing it from the point of view of data. So we can talk about a lot of things here, but this premise of enrollment analytics is something that I always was passionate about and naturally saw the world that way. But in terms of, of my trajectory and in, in kind of coming back to where I'm at today, I don't know, in like 2015, 14, this whole thing about machine learning data science, it's the hottest area to be, right? And it's yeah. super interesting. Yeah. And um, look, I know how to do it. Uh, we've been doing parts of it in higher education, but now we, I really wanted to test myself professionally to do it, right? Um, so that journey and that kind of opening up to new opportunities, which is a whole interesting conversation uh, for an enrollment management professional. I think you have a great podcast with uh, Ray Lotsky on how to go about that. So did that journey. And um, that takes me to this wonderful company called Datakind. For over three years, I had the privilege to oversee a portfolio of data science of about 200 projects around the world. Uh, things like how do we deploy algorithms um, in Africa that would detect um, uh, when a crop has a disease, specifically corn, um, yellow fever, right? Or how do we actually do um, domestically here in the U.S., for example, um, how do we deploy a, a machine learning model that would give recommendations for better uh, matches between chi uh, foster child and an uh, upcoming foster family, right? Hmm. Um, an incredible journey, right? So... In doing that, um, my opportunity to really manage data science and machine learning and advanced analytics projects is something that I thought I got to practice a lot. So at that point, Artis, our current CEO of Element, um, um, calls back um, since we met each other at NYU when I was doing all these quasi-experiments in enrollment management. Um, and he asked me to join the team because he thinks he has a technology, Element 451, embedded in this successful agency that is being Spark 451. But now the task is let's launch the company. Let's take this technology and scale it and let's share the world, uh, uh, share the, the view to the world that we think that there's a better way to do enrollment management. Uh, moving away from intuition-driven management to an approach that it uses data, uses automation, and hyper-personalization, all embedded with technology because we're all at technologies. And this is basically the journey that I've been doing for the past uh, three years, uh, launching a company, uh, deploying a technology that, in our view, um, shapes enrollment management the way it should be, based on data, based on evidence, and uh, bringing the right message to the right student at the right time. I, I love that. Thank you for, for sharing uh, your story with us. And uh, from sort of my 
quick takeaways from from your story is that you've had this consistent throughout everything that you've done. There's been this uh, consistent desire and, and love for uh, the utilization of technology for some sort of good. And specifically, how do you help uh, industries that are traditionally underserved with respect to the leveraging of data? So whether that's right in a nonprofit context, a social profit context, an education context, uh, how do you help these sectors better make use of the information that they do have or that they are collecting or aren't collecting in order to help them uh, essentially achieve more sustainable bottom lines, whatever those bottom lines uh, might be? And I'm super excited to chat with you today specifically about this, this term that you and the Element uh, team have sort of coined as, uh, quote unquote, intelligent admissions. Um, and it's my understanding, I, I can't wait to have you sort of share a little bit more about what this specifically means to you all. But my my understanding is that essentially it th- this term is... Um, is is meant to uh, to suggest that enrollment marketers can do a lot better job, a significantly better job at leveraging the data that their enrollment management teams are collecting. Um, and what you guys sort of suggest and, and sort of propagate is that these sort of adjustments in strategies and, and in tactics need to happen more so in the day-to-day and in week-to-week than they do kind of in at the six-month or 12-month marks, right? So a lot of enrollment management teams, enrollment marketing teams, uh, take a big step back and analyze data at, you know, the end of the fall and, you know, at the end of the spring. Um, but what you guys sort of suggest in, in terms of, of, of becoming more data-driven in your admissions uh, department is to make those adjustments in sort of in real time um, so that you can generate the, uh, the ROI that your program or, or, or your school needs. So can you just uh, unpack a little bit of uh, more, I don't know if that if any of that made sense or if that was even even remotely headed in the right direction. But can you unpack sort of this term for us because I think it's a really really good um, term, and I think it could it could be interpreted in a variety of ways. So, what does intelligent admissions mean to you? Absolutely. By the way, Zach, I think you did great. So, whenever you're ready, just come and do an internship with us in Element, and you'll be able to apply exactly what you just uh, said. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Uh, let's do it. Uh, uh, look, in its simplest form, intelligent admissions is the utilization of data um, or data-driven enrollment management, right? Um, so let's now unpack that. Uh, let's start with data, right? Um, it is not a... Um, it is obvious, and I think uh, a well-known practice that a student leaves a digital uh, uh, trail um, in their discovery phase and the, the way they approach university. So these digital breadcrumbs are really important. Sure. And many organizations, companies like us, and universities have benefited from this for you know since I have a memory. Right, financial aid. It's a great example of how. You know, packaging is algorithmic and you will get out a dollar, but that is actually influenced or informed by an algorithm, right? Um, the thing that is unique about data when it comes to intelligent emissions is that traditionally we've seen data as transactional data. So who I am as an individual, so here's Giancarlo, um, engineer, um, has this kind of international view, um, 
lives in New York, you know, this kind of like biodemographic data. And then now I'm going to get really uh, um, uh, sophisticated and I'm going to throw in maybe email engagement, how many opens I've had, how many emails I've seen, and maybe how many websites I've seen if you actually have a, a, a cookie a tracker in your browser activity. That's good. And it has gotten us thus far to basically have these techniques of predictive modeling. Sure. But the way we see data in element and the way we see data in the aspect of intelligence and missions is taking a deep dive into behavioral expert aspects of this digital kind of breadcrumbs trail, trail that a student has to answer questions or capture data that will tell me how many times I've opened an email. That's great. But when have I opened that email? Is it in the morning? Is it at, uh, at night? Um, in my, is my behavior more prone to be ex, uh, engaging with websites and digital content in the morning? So I'm that kind of morning person. Um, or am I someone who is more like a lurker, kind of sees everything but not really touching on things? Um, for example, um, um, activity, right? So you look at an event. Um, I attended a series of events. Um, every event I've attended, and also I have this continuity as a prospective student, and I don't attend that event. That's a really interesting behavioral discontinuity, uh, uh, right? And then you start bringing all these behavioral aspects in your data now becomes richer, but moves you away from the transactional data that we all know. The second part, it's the methodologies, right? Uh, or the techniques, if you will. So if you have this now rich data that goes beyond from tra transactional data to behavioral data, the techniques that you need to use are uniquely different. Um, and this, uh, by default, it's way, way, way uh, um, different to traditional follow-on analysis. Um, and machine learning, the advances of analytics that we see today, allow us to do really interesting, interesting things at very low cost. When I first started looking into enrollment analytics, Zach, a predictive model would cost about $100,000. And it was a one-time uh, training, right? And then you had it for the whole year, and then you hope it worked. Today, training a model based on subscriptions that you have from technologies and things like that, it's basically a tenth uh, uh, of that cost. Wow. So... The, the the ability and the the way these models have are kind of available to all of us and deploy them into the student journey is something that we are uh, passionate about. And the last component is the practice. So, like, if you bring data and methodologies, like, how do you enact this? Knowledge, um, it's good, but only enacted knowledge is what brings practice. So, what does that mean? Like, put it all together, and that's basically the aspect of automation, right? So, how do you continue to automate the marketing process, the enrollment marketing process or the enrollment management process so you can generate more. So all data-driven technology uh, are based. Um, and once you go from automation with in intelligent, um, uh, with a lot of intelligence, you're really able to do this idea of hyper-personalization that already uh, unfolded, that is the right student, the right message, the right time. These three composition, uh, components are important, but you need to have those fundamentals. The right data, these methodologies, start looking at connectivity, at productivity, at intelligence, and then are you able to do this hyper-personalization uh, that we all want to do in our uh, um, partner universities. That's incredible. And so it, it sounds to me like what the ultimate goal here, right, is if you're going to be a successful, intelligent admissions officer, let's just say, um, what that 
could look like, what I think you're suggesting that looks like is the goal, right? The ideal is to be able to personalize the journey to enrollment down to the individual prospect, meaning, right, in, in an ideal world, doing this really, really well looks like a university being able to send Zach emails, text messages, uh, other forms of communications uh, at the time at which they know Zach is most likely to open and click through communications. And that time, or that same email, which might be an event email, might be very different. Uh, the email might be the same, but the timing might be really different than the email that they send you, JC, right? You're, you're, you're at the same stage, you're at the inquiry stage, let's just say, of the enrollment journey right where I am. But and we're actually going to receive the same message in theory, but that message is going to come in at different times. That's maybe kind of like level one. Level two could look like, okay, not only is the message going to come in at different times, but the format of the message or the content in the message is going to be tailored based off of what the university knows about, okay, JC really likes uh, getting uh, emails with lots of text and lots of details in it. Zach is doesn't like to read, so we're going to send him the information in the context of a video. That might be like, level two and then you know level three level four and, and five and, and whatnot so is that roughly is that sort of like what you're saying is is that kind of attention 100%. to detail a hundred percent so uh let me give you uh, a specific example so yes please traditional methods uh think of me and my brother so my brother it's about three years older than me okay um and very similar kind of um interest in life, right so you create a segment um, and my brother and I are going to be picked up in the same segment, right? So, um, Hispanic, uh, yes, no, right? Uh, around the same, uh, uh, bracket 40 to 45, uh, STEM interest, um, uh, and, um, you know, like social economical aspects, the same, we're from the same family, but my brother and I could not be more different. Um, huh. I mean, we're talking about different individuals when it comes to decision-making, let me give you an example. I'm the guy who, when I get a, a, a project, like say when we used to play Legos, I would never read the, the catalog. I would just go and build. Whereas my <laughs> brother will do that whole strategic planning and have all the Legos set up. So that intensity of planning and behavior, such different uh, individuals. So sure. now let's take this to what we do in terms of emails, right? Uh, and engagements and digital uh, touch points. You want to get me jazzed up. Giancarlo Bonilla, JC, wants to be all just up and give, tell me how the school is fantastic. And by the way, you have to tell me that at the very beginning because that's how I'm going to be engaged. At the end, tell me the deadlines, how much it costs, and then like all the admissions uh, composition, put it at the, at the bottom, right? And by the way, I only read emails in the morning because I'm in meetings the entire day. Um, so basically, if you send me an email, it's just going to queue up. Sure. My brother... You need to start with um, the deadline because if you start talking about how exciting this program is and all the research that the faculty does in the cafeteria, all that fancy stuff that I want to hear, he's going to be triggered and he's just basically going to be overwhelmed. He's not going to read your message. So what we're talking about is in terms of the needed, the narrative arch basically of how you can come and structure a simple email for someone like Giancarlo, JC, or my brother, is totally different. Although traditional segmentations, segmentation will say, we are the same. And how can you learn that from data? It's very simple, right? You start sending emails and you start realizing what is the time that I open the most versus my brother, um, or what is the, 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 the 
narrative arch in which I react better versus someone else. And you start doing this experimentation and you can start doing that for events, applications, uh, time of day type of component, your whole programming, um, whether it's your e-coms to um, visits, uh, through um, the way we even structure a landing page for microsite for orientation, all those things can be basically orchestrated using this type of methodology. And that's basically what the discipline of intelligent admissions is, right? That at the end of the day, in a very idealized way, we will not produce content unless it's optimized for who we all are individually, right? Uh, um, in terms of uniqueness and in terms of what we really care to hear um, um, at that point in time. All right, I'll just a quick reminder, jot a note for yourself, uh, tell Siri to, to set a reminder for yourself, tell Alexa to set an alarm, whatever whatever you need uh, to go and check out Enrollify Premium at enrollify.org forward slash premium. You can start your free trial today and we'd love to welcome you into the Slack workspace so you can get a feel for what the premium experience of Enrollify is really like. All right, back to the episode. Jesse, you spent years working in admissions uh, yourself, in, in enrollment management yourself, and I'm, I'm just curious, you, you talked just briefly at the end there about intelligent admissions being a discipline, and I'd, I'd love to like flesh that out a little bit more. In your time in higher ed, can you speak to how you saw sort of the role of the admissions professional change, and then specifically in, in even just the past couple of years. Uh, why do you, how have you seen those roles uh, now working at, at Element and you're working with, with partners? What sort of are the new expectations for, uh, for, you know, the contemporary admissions professional and especially with respect to how they, how they utilize enrollment data. Uh, talk to us a little bit about just how you wrestle with this and what you think, uh, uh, you're, you know, when you guys are talking to your university partners, right. And you're saying, Hey, these are the kinds of people you need on your teams in order to make sense of all the data that you're collecting. What, what should, directors be looking for when they're hiring and or just what does it take to be a 21st century intelligent admissions hmm. officer in in 2020 right um look Zach, one of the things that caught in my eye um when we first uh started as as um as an analyst, which is how I really started in enrollment management, right? Looking at this historical data, and it was all about conversion rates, right? So it was this relationship of one, right, is what I want to produce that student, and I'm going to go back into this thing that we're going to call a funnel, and I say if I want one student, that means I need two applications, and if I need two applications, I'm going to need five leads or prospective students. So that funnel view. It's it's interesting and it has got this far. It has it has had good things, but the resources required to do that are incredible. So I sure. I remember really clearly right that with this funnel view and how we use data, it's all about building the healthiest, biggest, most expensive funnel count because the number will trickle right and then. The number one assumption there is that your historical conversion will change, uh, will not change. So 5% of your prospective students uh, will become applicants, 50% will be admitted, and then maybe with the 80% yield, you know your class. 
Um, if you want to get fancy, let's have different metrics based on diversity. So me, uh, gender, uh, X, Y, C, more optimal at different rates in yield, and then all of a sudden, off we go. The problem that we have with that is that resources are limited, right? And, and today, that prospective student uh, that someone would buy, I mean, as a name, is 30 cents. Uh, or I've seen also uh, partners selling a name for $150, right? Or thousands of dollars. Sure. Uh, a, a lot of the partnership right now that, that follows the same model would ask for maybe a, a, a tuition sharing uh, model, right? Which is basically, I don't know, 40% or up to 50% of one student's um, uh, tuition uh, revenue in a year. So the model is not sustainable, right? And you and I, when we first started chatting, we've, we basically described this as the funnel does not scale. Sure. And we need to start looking at things differently. So that's my first point. I saw a funnel view that does not work for the current conditions. So what works and what is it that we should be doing so that I can then answer the second part in, of your question on how should enrollment management professionals should be looking at enrollment data and their practice. Um, so let me go back in time. Sure. Um, one of the things that I, I thought it was really interesting when I was uh, started doing this work, and it's been about five years of just doing enroll, funnel analysis as we know it, is that we all knew the class. Do you know when I knew my class, uh, uh, Zach? When? The day students registered, right? <laughs> uh, so we worked really hard for about 18 months to generate a class. Um, and that means, you know, your search process. And then September 1 is when classes start. That's when you know if you make your class. Zero predictability. We're talking about academic departments who needed to basically have professors lined up, orientation and matriculation and advancement, and they would not know, am I going to be doing this for five students, 50 or 500, right? Uh, that type of volatility, if you will. So we started looking into how do we start predicting that class? And what I mean predicting, I'm going to use the word reduces uncertainty. Because if I say, I don't know if it's 50 or 500, right? Um, maybe can, is it between 50 and 75? That's a better different, uh, that's a much different problem in my opinion to have. So there's so many techniques. Now let me fast forward to today that allow you to reduce uncertainty to incredible degree, right? And we are not benefiting from, from that. The first thing that enrollment management professionals need to know is that it's not about counts. It's about time. What does that mean? Is that funnel analysis, it's basically summing up and dividing the current uh, funnel stage over the, 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 the preceding one. So applications divided by prospects that gives me the conversion rate. We need to look at data as a time series. You know what that means? Enlighten me. A doctor, a doctor comes and looks at your heart rate and he or she knows whether you are healthy or not. That means they're a specialist in looking at a time series, right? A beat, an actual pattern in time, right? So in a way, I'm asking every admissions professional to start looking at your data in terms of a signature that it should have over the year. And intuitively, everyone knows that because when we talk about enrollment management data, it's always comparing week over week, right? But the visualization aspect of it, Knowing how to manage for the peak, knowing how to manage for the valley when it's up and down. And then if I'm expecting a peak today and I don't get it, create interventions, measuring the size of the peak, right? Um, and not 
getting that size is kind of where it's at. So basically, these activities are looking at enrollment data as a time series where your x-axis is time and your y-axis is your counts or your traditional following stage. As simple as it sounds, it's fundamentally different and allows or unfolds um, techniques that are used in machine learning advanced uh, analytics to do anomaly detection, to understand the quantification or the reduction of uncertainty. And moreover, to basically be able to say whether a class is going to be the right class or the wrong class, not the day classes start, but months um, uh, before that actually takes place. I don't know if that was a lot of details. It's no, the kind it's, of thing it's that a lot, makes a lot of sense in my head. No, 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 no. I think I think it, you. It's a, it's a lot of detail, and I think it. But what you're touching on, right, is is incredibly important. And what what I think I'm hearing, right, is like what we really need to be doing. It, it's less about right. Like in a perfect world, if you have to enroll a hundred students, right, and that's your that's your enrollment goal. Correct. Uh, in theory, right, if you get a hundred of the right leads at the offset and a hundred percent of them, you know, enroll, you don't need any more than a hundred leads right now. Correct. Obviously we, we know that that's, that likelihood is incredibly uh, that the probability that a hundred of the people that enter your pipeline will end up enrolling is, you know, next to none. Um, but right. What I, what I think you're getting at, which I think is incredibly important is that we've gone sort of the, uh, uh on the full opposite end of the spectrum in higher ed where it's like, okay, we need to get more, 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 more. So we can increase the top of the funnel as wide as humanly possible so that we can increase enrollment at the bottom by 5%, 10%, 15%, whatever it is. Right. And what you're encouraging people to do is like, no, that's one, not sustainable. Very few schools. And especially in, in, you know, today's economy have the resources to be able to do that year over year over year, right? And instead, exactly. what people need to be doing is, what if you could get a thousand leads, right? Maybe a thousand prospects, right? And what would it take to monitor their behavior? And again, you have to, you'd have to, you have to build up to this point, right? You can't just turn a light switch off and turn a new one on tomorrow and expect sort right. of the, you know, crazy results. But how how do we help move the field of enrollment management to being more data driven, to obsessing over the behavior of prospects, making tweaks along the way, learning as we go, so that next year when you go to buy that list, you've learned a lot and you know that you know what this particular segment right doesn't work for us, and we don't need to buy these names. Or hey, we we know that when we generate names like this, this is the kind of conflow that we need to enroll them in versus you know folks that um, behave in this particular fashion need to be enrolled in conflow B. And and so what I think you're saying is like everything that you're saying is in the spirit of making the journey to enrollment as sustainable and as personalized as possible down to the individual prospective student. And I think that that's brilliant and absolutely needed in higher ed right now. Yes. Um, I, I, I want to offer uh, uh, another example just to give even more colors of what you're talking about, how just knowing it's different important and how do we go from here so what do you dis discuss is it's um exactly what we're trying to do here elements so of one of the things that we allow our customers and in our platform we've we've we're proud of some of the work that we've done is this idea of an engagement score so think about your traditional names by so all of a sudden if you have a really nice budget you'll get a hundred thousand names and all they go into this ecom uh, uh strategy and if you are very successful out of those 100,000 names, let's say you get 1,000 students, right? Uh, now, let's go back to the top of the funnel. 
when you start understanding what is happening there, uh, Zach, is that out of those 100,000 students, only 10% of them engaged, right? So that means that 90,000 of them were not looking at your emails, um, were not opening emails, right? And, and all of a sudden, you know what traditional enrollment management folk would do? Hey, let's... These people is not responding, so what should we do? Let's send them more emails, right? So this idea of just understanding engagement, right? And trying to quantify, look, this student is looking at emails or not looking at emails. It's it's reacting only to events, right? To start understanding, if you made the investment, what is a student reacting to? Because what we want to do is serve them with what works and stop what doesn't work. Um, it's... An incredible uh, um, um, departure from the traditional uh, mindset. What is happening? We will come and plan enrollment management a year early. We're going to send 20 emails and they're going to go out whether they open them or not. So that continuum of the tactical enrollment management plan, it's also a big departure and only enrollment data surfaces that. So I plan to send 20 emails. They have not opened ten out of the um, out of the twenty. So what do I do next? Traditional mindset: send the remaining twenty. No, stop, avoid, and do something different. Uh, what is different? You know, we can talk about that. Uh, uh, but it's it's an incredible departure from the norm that we see in kind of the top the tactical rolled out in enrollment management. Yeah, it's 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 like when when ten of your twenty emails haven't been opened, and it, when you're on email number eleven, it's like everyone's praying, crossing their fingers that like, oh, this one will do it. Like this one is is sure to increase. You know, we're gonna see open rates double and and click through rates triple with this email communication, and it it really is for as much as we talk about. Uh, utilizing marketing automation tools for as much as we as people in in the space kind of tout their uh, their personalization mm-hmm. strategies, the reality is at the end of the day, there are still so many emails being sent that have literally like literally I, we're doing this right now with Enrollify, right? With the secret shopper experiment that we're doing. And I've mm-hmm. inquired at uh, close to 80 business schools and um, essentially went and uh, all I did was fill out their one RFI form. So I haven't I haven't opened any of these emails. I have a, a program that I've, I'm extracting all of these communications through, and that's how I'm analyzing them. So as far as they know, right, these communications aren't being opened or aren't being clicked through. And, I mean, I'm getting an email every single day from these folks. And, again, beyond just most communications appearing all but identical, the reality of the situation is that, if you if they were being smart, they'd realize, oh, Zach hasn't opened any of these communications. Maybe we should think about a different subject line, or maybe we should think about trying to get in touch with him in a different channel, right? And it's sort of like we're just used to this rinse and repeat, this this spray and pray model. And in 2020, especially in this environment, we can't afford to operate that way. So right. what I what I just love as as we sort of like close out this conversation is, you know, for the people that are listening to you, JC, and they're like, oh, yes, yes, I believe everything that you're saying. Like, we absolutely need to be doing this. Like, I've been telling my boss this for years or, or whatever it might be. What are sort of like two to three things that you think people can do immediately, right? Or over the course of this summer to start 
to move in a way where they are they're enabling their teams to be more strategic when they're consulting their data. Like what are one, two, or or three sort of things that you would encourage any people at like a director or VP level to do um, with respect to leading their team to become more data-driven um, in enrollment management? Um, the first thing I would tell my team um, is that together, because I would put myself in the same uh, situation, we need to start looking at our work less, not as a funnel, but as a flow. Hmm. And that is difficult because all of us have been trained and do what we do with this whole thing that we've been talking for a little bit, right? The funnel doesn't work, does not scale, but a flow will work. Building off of that, if I have a flow, the thing that I need to start sprinkling my recruitment cycle is short. Let's come and plan the way we have been, right? I just start looking at the development of that uh, enrollment management plan as milestone aggregation. So if it's a flow, right, I'm not going to go into the flow from, I have a student who is a prospective student and the flow is enrolled. You know how many micro steps someone takes there? I mean, just think about our student journey individually, right? How many things did we do, right? How many conversations did we have, right? So it's all about milestone aggregation. So in Element, you're going to come and see these, I don't know, gazillion uh, my, uh, milestones, but that's really how we see the world. So how do I get you to open an email? I don't care whether you're an applicant or prospective student. How do I get you to attend an event? From that event, how do I get you to log in? How do I get you to come back and log in again? And that basically, that aggregation is that when you have two or three emails, maybe you will come to an event. When you've seen an event in an, in, in an email, maybe it can come and, I don't know, get you to start an applying, right? But, and this is just a very traditional kind of uh, um, curated sure. student experience. And we know it's not linear as such, right? Everyone has their own experiences. But if you start looking at these micro steps or milestones throughout the journey, then the second recommendation I have is every month, every team needs to come and slow down and basically debrief on what have they learned in the aggregation of these milestones that makes someone advance. You know what we have seen is that every time there's a deadline, right? We sent an email before and the open rates go off the roof, right? So, oh my sure. gosh. So basically, our email content has to be triggered based on deadlines. And we didn't know that before, as opposed to just timing them out uh, every two weeks, which is what 90% of our um, of the enrollment management practice will do. You will be timing based on other triggers. Um, so when it comes to a website, you get an email and whatnot, right? Uh, it's, been, hey, it's been 10, 20 days since you logged in. Tell us what's happened in the past 20 days, a very different value proposition as opposed to just sending pre-scheduled emails. So what have we learned? And uh, comment in retrospective uh, uh, degree. And the third one that I really like to recommend to everyone is the enrollment management profession. It's a timeline. Um, and all of us are very, very good at looking at time uh, because that's how we measure our success. So let's become the experts of that timeline and let's own it, right? So just like the way a um, 
a medical doctor who knows the heart rate of a baby versus an older person. That's how an enrollment management professional should see himself or herself. I really understand enrollment management for engineering, for biology, for liberal arts. That means that the beat of the enrollment frequency, the pace of a prospective student to an applicant has this shape. And when we see that data that way, not only we're advancing tremendously, but we're actually catching up with the divide that we have today in our own management with marketing, customer intelligence, and everything that looks and feels like bringing someone to an offer. Well, guess what? That is higher education as well. But the practices that they use today sound and behave the way I just kind of described them with this timeline. JC, thank you, thank you, thank you for your thoughts here, your your wisdom and uh, your insight. I think that this is uh, what you're talking about is is very much on the bleeding edge of of higher ed, and I think that folks, you know, hopefully the work that you all uh, are doing at Element will inspire people across the industry to work harder to become smarter with their data. And if folks want to learn more about you and and the work that uh, that Element is doing, what is the best way for for them to reach you? Absolutely. Element451.com. That's basically where all of us live. And you can come and check us out and check us out, check out our work. Uh, you are more than welcome to come and email me directly at jbonija, J-B-O-N-I-L-L-A at element451.com. jbonija at element451.com. And we will include your email address and your website in our show notes. Uh, thank you so much, sir, for your time. Really, really appreciate you spending uh, 40-ish minutes with us and look forward to continuing to get to learn and, and growing with you. Thank you, Zach. Keep up the good work and um, looking forward to uh, our next conversation. If you are an enrollment marketer working in marketing and communications or enrollment management, and would be willing to be interviewed on the podcast, or if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear covered on the podcast, please reach out directly to me at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Enrollify.org. We sincerely look forward to working with you to make Enrollify the most trusted, go-to, digital resource for enrollment marketers out there. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Just one final, final reminder to check out Enrollify Premium by going to enrollify.org forward slash premium and starting your free trial. Again, we're on a mission to totally disrupt the education consulting space and we really want to welcome as many enrollment marketers as possible into this experience to test it out and help us really optimize and improve it for people in a variety of enrollment marketing contexts. So start your free trial. 10 bucks a month right after that. Head on over to enrollify.org forward slash premium to learn more. All right, guys, have a fantastic day. day. I can't even talk. Oh, thank God tomorrow's Friday. Um, And we will see you next week. Take care.